AMC Turn fans, welcome to another episode of the AMC Turn After Show on AfterBuzz TV. Tonight we are talking about Season 3, Episode 6, Many Mickles Make a Muckle, just like Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers while... Uh, she sells seashells by the seashore. I was way too ambitious on that. We got a lot to talk about tonight. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Man, that episode title is a mouthful, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I should hush because wow. I should never try to do tongue twisters ever again. <laughs> I feel like I was in the middle of a bare naked lady song right there. <laughs> you know, where they just go completely insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a string of nonsense words tied together very, very quickly. It's a bold strategy for an open, but I respect it. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad that you can at least respect <laughs> the attempt. And next we're going to hear you do the solo from Guns and Ships. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> no, that is impossible. I can do it. <laughs> well, guys, let's go ahead and introduce this fantastic panel that I have with me tonight. To my left, Katie Cullen. I'm taking this horse by the reins, making red coats, red with blood stains. Hello, everyone. You can find me on Twitter at Kiaxe. That's K-I-A-X-E-T. <laughs> and next to her, Keith Black. Do you have a rebuttal? No, not nearly as impressive. <laughs> I'm Keith W. Black, and you can find me all over the internet at Keith W. Black. And I'm Megan. You guys can follow me on Twitter at the Mengwin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. We are also going to be keeping an eye on the hashtag ABTV Turn as well as the live chat. Uh, For the so question in the live chat, nobody knows what a mickle or a muckle is at this point, except <laughs> presumably a lot of one go into the other. Uh, Google it. <laughs> I feel like Washington knew, and he explained it at one point, but I was so... I, I think when he said it, I went cross-eyed, and I just like I was like, I don't, I don't know think what he, any of those words mean. <laughs> I don't think he ever explained it. He did. He did. He he did. But again, I think just everybody went cross-eyed as soon as he said it because like none of those words make sense. Oh no, he explained so what he meant, but I don't think he ever said what a mickle or a muckle was. No, he yeah. just Pretty explained sure what the idiom words. meant. <laughs> Pretty sure those aren't words. Well, they might have been words three hundred years ago. We just don't know. <laughs> I think even back that, then it's it was strategy gibberish. of just saying something of such utmost confidence that you're like, everyone in the room is totally going to think I know what I'm talking yeah. about yeah, because sure. I was so uh -huh. confident. <laughs> he's put his face back in, get his hair dead, and he's like, just go with it, just go with it. You know, he was probably like, oh, you know what? They respect me so much that <laughs> I, could, I could say nonsense <laughs> and they would still think it carried weight. That's <laughs> He's impressive. like, let me try that. And then he just delivered many mickles make a muckle. <laughs> and they just stared at him and he's like, And the very calm translation it. of, yes, it's this. Nailed it. I got you, sir. I got you. I can make up anything I want. This is the best. They've got a great relationship, the two of them. Yeah, yeah. No. So I think it goes without saying, but I want to hear your guys' initial thoughts. That My initial thoughts of this episode is that this was a fantastic episode. Even though we were kind of relegated just to two primary locations... And, like, if you step back, it's like, oh, yeah, it's the worst Thanksgiving ever and a, the worst, the most awkward dinner party ever. Pretty much. But, like, at the same time, so much momentum was carried through in this episode. And, like, this was, there were parts of this episode where I was on the edge of my seat. It was just like, guess who's coming to dinner? Literally everyone. <laughs> oh, God, here we go. This is not going to end well. I enjoy the dynamic of actually seeing them focus in. Like normally, we're kind of scattered across the board in our different locations and whatever a character is going through. It, it varies to some degree. They're all intertangled, but it generally is varying, and everyone has their own storyline. So it was really nice to see the energies of the writers and the actors all brought into one 
<laughs> one or two locations. So you're like, all right, well, now we get to see people act with individuals they haven't acted with before. Exactly. And we're actually going to see some tensions relieved that otherwise we've just been on the edge of our seat, like you said, just waiting to see. Yeah, we, we've been talking about it for the last two weeks, but, you know, this is a very segmented cast. You know, all of our cast of characters are very much relegated to their very specific areas mm-hmm. and roles. And what we have here is we we do get to see a convergence on yeah. two different fronts for all these different characters, and that's really satisfying. Oh yeah, Absolutely. and again, very I, intense. I think the only place we didn't go this episode was Setauket. We we got <laughs> to Setauket at the very end there, did we? Did they yeah, actually yeah, make just, it back? They're just hanging out on the seashore. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, not a whole lot of focus on Setauket this time around. Um, so yeah, before before we really get into the thick of it, I want to remind you guys very quickly about iTunes. Folks, if you haven't already done so, uh, we love hearing from you, so please go to iTunes, rate, subscribe, leave a comment. For those of you who leave a comment, uh, you'll get a special shout out on the show. And it really does mean a lot to us. Uh, it shows the producers here that you like the show that we're putting on, and it helps us, I mean, for some reason, people who work on the show, strangely enough, pay attention to our show for some reason, which is still mind-boggling to me. So uh, when you guys go to iTunes, rate and subscribe, leave a comment, all that jazz, it shows uh, them that, hey, maybe I want to come on to this AfterBuzz thing. So it helps us get guests and all that jazz, helps us get more publicity. So we really appreciate that. And so we can keep doing what we are doing, uh, which is hopefully entertaining you. Um, So yeah, everybody who's made a comment so far, thank you guys. You guys are the best. And special shout out again to AMC... Our turn AMC fan on Twitter. You have been fantastic about trying to get the word out about our show. So thank you so much. You guys absolutely rock. All I right. I like them and Turnland. Yes, absolutely. They're great. And turn I might actually be the same Twitter handle. I'll have to double check. But Is yeah, that- Turnland and uh, Turn fan on AMC. You guys are fantastic. You guys <laughs> rock. So let's go ahead and start this episode. Uh I want to focus more on the storyline that led up to the party first, and then focus more on the uh, the worst Thanksgiving <laughs> plot line uh, <laughs> afterwards, um, because we have some really great buildup to this party, because we've got a lot of tensions going into it, with Benedict Arnold still, you know, his car court-martial being delayed, and um, not to mention the the failed attempt to capture all of the different counterfeit yeah. bills that have been flooded into the market now. And one of the things that, again, leading up to it, which ties into the other storyline, is Washington deciding, hey, this spy ring, it's the, a it's time inefficient. Yeah, yeah, it's inefficient having to go through Setauket. We need to cut out Culper at, just for time's sake because if we had gotten this in time, we would have been able to stop more than just one and that would have averted the problem. And now these counterfeit bills that have been flooded into our economy look so similar. The counterfeit job was so good that we can't tell it apart. The only option is recalling all the bills, no. which... Needless to say, risky move to recall all of your country's currency. That's insane. It doesn't seem physically possible. Yeah, going bankrupt immediately. Like yeah, you're, declaring you're still, bankruptcy, you're still, recalling all state. your money. Yeah, no, it absolutely... When you're trying to get established, yeah. that sounds like lunacy. Yeah, it, it, what do you think? It's, if it's your only option. Yeah. I think you're, you're put in a, in a position where 
it's, I mean, you, even today, corporations can declare bankruptcy, and next thing you know, they're still operating. And, Too big to <laughs> fail, yeah. Continual going out of business yeah, sales, but they never actually business, go out of business. Yeah. American Furniture Warehouse, ladies and gentlemen, that's how they live their that's lives. That's their business model. <laughs> Continually going out of business, but never actually going out of business. Hey, it's all about the margins, man. As long that's what, I think that's what George Washington is playing. He's playing the margins. He knows that if they go bankrupt, they can still afford other campaigns moving forward because they can rid out what ultimately is going to happen in the country, which is is just complete and utter failure if that cash actually ends up getting circulated. Yeah, but this could very well backfire in terms of everybody, you know, not being able to believe in this government that is trying to get established. If, like, only so, uh, with such a short amount of time between the rebellion starting and the recall of (laughs) every bit of currency that they've put out there, it's, it's not exactly a vote of confidence in terms of winning over the people who may be on the fence about this rebellion sort of thing. Thanks, Benedict. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nudge, nudge. It also parallels the the French support, though. I mean, it was everything was based off image. They can't reveal traitors in their midst because it's image. The whole army's image and the whole idea of America is an image, and it's an ideal that people, you know, they can't grasp it yet. And that's what he's trying to get them to join up for. And so now he's like, hey, we made a mistake. But, but like, it's still, the image We're is still, yeah, it. it's still intact, and this is what, we're going to become stronger because of it. It's better to address the problem than to pretend like nothing's wrong Absolutely. and allow this extra currency to cripple them. And it's better to address the problem than to not know it exists at all. Yeah, yeah. that too. Than to just have this going on and then slowly crumble from within without ever knowing why. But he fixed what, I mean, what got him into that situation in the first place. He's already, he's already remedied in his mind, which is cutting Culper out of the... Out of the ring. Congratulations, main character. You're no longer part of the show. (laughs) Let's take the absolute worst spy we have and just kind of cut our losses there. Let's do that. Let's do that. (laughs) I mean, they do bring up an excellent point. Uh, Abe does kind of seem superfluous now that he's not actually running to New York himself. They already have their man in New York why make a roundabout route to Setauket? I mean... Because they don't have their men in New York anymore. No. <laughs> Screwed that one up. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll yeah. get to that. But um, before before we actually get to the party, we have this beautifully, masterfully cut-together scene mm-hmm. of Andre trying to convince his superior that Benedict Arnold is worth believing in yeah. and investing in. Investing being the key word. And simultaneously, Peggy is trying to convince Benedict Arnold that a full turn is the proper course of action, given how he's been treated. And it's this wonderful back and forth. And again, props to the editor on this one, because this was awesome. Well, and the script as well, because the dialogue flowed so beautifully, even back and forth between the two scenes. That's that's not easy to do. No, not Across at four all. different characters in two different places <laughs> with multiple different motivations. That's kudos, man. Yeah. Kudos. Yeah. We have Andre and Peggy both pleading their cases, <laughs> and Andre's superior, whose name escapes, I think it's, um, I think it's Clinton. I think it's General Clinton. And then, um, and then Benedict Arnold, both being obstinate <laughs> about the same thing. Uh, Clinton's like, why should I invest in this guy when he's done nothing? And Arnold is like, why should I betray my country when they've given me no compensation? Yeah. You know, it's such a fun, really good scene. And again, it's one of those things where you just start leaning towards the TV as it's going on. And then when the scene breaks away, you're like, 
Was I leaning towards... Where am I? <laughs> I? I feel like no matter what happens with Benedict, I just want to hit him with something. <laughs> Regardless. Yes. He is abrasive. He, he abrasive is. <laughs> is one word for it. Told you he's cut from the same cloth as Gaston, like Beauty and the Beast, Gaston. And, and he operates in the battlefield. That is where he's in command. So going back to civilian life and not being in command or taken as seriously as he would be in the battlefield, the, he feels completely undercut. Yeah. And yeah. in a way, Peggy and Andre are both like recruiters because pretty much it's a job negotiation and they're just hashing out the details. And you've got Peggy arguing one side and you've got Andre <laughs> arguing, arguing like the other. Like a contract negotiation. Yeah, and that's pretty much what's going on right now. So it, it just comes down to the, the terms of their agreement. But whether they actually separate their ways completely, I think we both know is going to happen. <laughs> for, for me, I, I saw Arnold as kind of a, more of like an obstinate child in oh, this moment. Because yeah. he's throwing his tantrum. <clears throat> pardon me. And then he gets to that point where she's like, what do you think you're doing when he's ripping up the letter? And that's when he just kind of breaks down a little bit and shows a little bit more of that emotional vulnerability, or if you want to look at it another way, that emotional instability um, of just like, I don't know anymore. Where am I going with this? And he decides that he's going to plead to Washington to move up his court-martial date so that this can be done and over with, that he's not ready to make that full turn yet. Yeah. Uh, and something also interesting in this scene is that um, he goes, why, I don't know anything about Culper, that's Talmadge's sort of <laughs> department, and she's like, well, you know him, you could, I feel like this is like a, a networking argument. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I don't know anything about that department, that's not my job yeah. description. And <laughs> she's like, well, you know him, <laughs> you know, exchange business cards, do something, <laughs> go to the mixer. <laughs> Let's just go to the mixer. It's like, no, nah, I'm just going to put my faith in my boss. That's how well, it works. I think this is the first time he's actually had any insight to who he is as a person. Like, this is the first, every other time has been a decision based out of anger or some drive where he's felt pressure upon us. But I think this is the first moment where he's actually taken a moment for self-contemplation and being like, okay, where am I at? How did I get here? Self-reflection. Yeah, so he takes some self-reflection. Does not suit him well, does no, it? No, <laughs> but we saw that moment no. of clarity where he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And that's the first time he's actually been genuine to himself. And then, you know, later we obviously see that he kind of snaps back into his old ways. You know, like when he like blows up at Benjamin. But that's just, that it goes was show there wild. was an idea. There was <laughs> a moment ben. of clarity for him. Yeah. <laughs> just poor Ben. He's just trying to make like, <laughs> polite small talk to this person who he respects, who he thinks respects him in return, and then he just gets blown off like that, just like I don't know what I did. <laughs> Heck of a party, isn't it? If you want to leave, you can leave. Just go. Uh, no one wanted you here anyway. Yeah, that is absolutely I... not what I said or meant. It's like, is this a mean girl's tactic? What's happening? <laughs> I want him more now. I don't know why. It's always so awkward when you go to a party and it's very, very obvious that either the host or one of the guests is just having the worst time. It's like this little thundercloud in the corner and you're like, something's going to happen. It's going to start raining. It may become a hurricane. Who even knows? But this is awkward and I'm leaving. (laughs) Who wants to go get pizza? (laughs) Hey, kind of a fun fact from Turnland on Twitter. They are two different, uh, Mm -hmm. two different, uh, two different Twitter handles. Uh, Many a mickle makes a muckle. Uh, Do you, uh, uh, the more you, do know, you know, yeah. Do you know that this was a misquote from Washington from the proverb "Many a little makes a mickle." So what the heck is a mickle? <laughs> I don't know. I still don't know what a muckle or a mickle is. Thank you for the etymology lesson. But what's a mickle? <laughs> I, I like that it was misquoted. I think it's 
like a I hay penny. <laughs> like a mickle is like half of a nickel. I don't know. I don't I don't have any other explanation. Also, Turnland says, thank you. We love you guys. Aww, oh, t- that's good. We love ABTV you, too. ABTV Turn. Yay. You guys are the best. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and talk about this party, because one of my favorite things in this episode was that we got introduced to the first lady herself, or the first first lady yeah. herself, Martha Washington. Martha freaking Washington. <laughs> yes. What an introduction, <laughs> to say the least, because uh, she's introduced to us mm-hmm. making small talk. Kind of explicit small talk <laughs> with uh, two of the ladies at the party, uh, Peggy's sister and Becky, Peggy's friend, her very, very drunk friend at this oh, point. Becky. Oh, Becky. Becky. That's always a Becky. <laughs> There's always but a Becky. But does she have nice hair? <laughs> uh, Be- Becky with the good hair. Becky yeah. with the good <laughs> hair. Come on. Hair. Boo! That wasn't good enough to rim shot. It was a reference. It wasn't a pun. Just a difference. <laughs> But, uh, and so we get introduced to Martha, and I absolutely love her. I think her, uh, this actress's chemistry with Ian is fantastic. They work really well off of each other. And I think she's, I think introducing her as a counterpoint to Washington is a really smart move on the show's part because there aren't a whole lot of people that will really give it to him straight. Yeah. Everybody has to address him as your excellency. I mean, he is the commanding figure in whatever room he steps into. So having his wife there, she's kind of the only one that can give it. She and William are the only two people that will like give it to them to him straight. Yeah. And I feel like she's the only one that can be more candid about it, too. Absolutely. I just... I think the best moment in this episode for me was that conversation about, you know, I want to do what's right. I want to do this. I no, want to be respected. You want to, you want to be liked. <laughs> no, I need to put what's ahead for what, uh, what's in the interest of the country ahead of, no, you want to be liked. <laughs> like, yep. And that, yep, she has his number. <laughs> well, it brings up an important thing about any given public fitter figure, let alone, you know, the future, like, most important politician in our nation's history, uh, is that as a public figure, you can't get everybody to like you. It is impossible. Even us as lowly internet public figures, (sighs) like... They're like we can't get everybody to like us. Like that's just part of being. There are in the some people eye. that yeah. you don't want to like you. There are some people <laughs> where they're like everything you say is wrong. It's like looks at Twitter profile, unreformed Confederate. Mm, I don't want you to like me. <laughs> nope, not at all. This is a thing that has occurred. <laughs> but I, again, oh go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say I think that in Washington's instance, he wants the right people to like him, and so he's in a room full of people that he desperately needs to like him, considering what he's about to bring to the table within that week. So he's like, I need everybody here to be super stoked on me and everything <laughs> that I've been doing. And the Martha, the balance for her is I like because we've seen the, the rapport between him and Anna Strong, which it's definitely where he's the domineering figure. But with Martha in the room, you can tell that he has, he definitely has the respect for women and strong women. And it's not, he doesn't act as every other soldier does or every other officer. He's a lot more respectful and a lot more aware of what their capabilities are and how they can be counterparts to him. And I think that he's able to bounce off of her and be as candid as they need to be for the, you just want to be liked. Yeah. (laughs) She has to know there's a huge amount of respect coming from him towards her. Otherwise, she would never be, you know, well, she's not going to say think, that. I think, he, I think it's his respect for her that 
you know, that's the reason he married her. Absolutely. You know, that sort of thing. Uh, but he is in a very interesting position because he does have to convince... Con- he is literally between a rock and a hard place uh, in this. And because he wants to help his friend Benedict Arnold by moving up the court-martial date so that Arnold can get married to this very charming young lady that is throwing this party. And doesn't Um, want to marry him. (laughs) She's just like... (laughs) Which I should have mentioned it when when we were talking about the the editing back and forth scene, but man, she must love John Andre a lot (laughs) to put up with Benedict Arnold. And his outbursts and emotional instability. It is a roller coaster ride just having a conversation with this man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, you know, he wants to help out Benedict Arnold, but he also needs Congress on his side. And Reed hates Arnold with a passion and is threatening to pull support for Washington's, you know, suggestion for how to save their country. Uh, if he backs Arnold. Which it's almost is, like politics hasn't changed in 300 it's years. It's almost like personal vendettas and petty disagreements are more important than the actual fate of our country. That's... It's almost like politics <laughs> hasn't changed in 300 years. Oh, God. I mean, I get it. I mean, Benedict, he sucks. I mean, he really sucks. <laughs> like, so it's like, I can totally get, I can get on Someone board. Someone finally it. said it. Yeah. Someone finally said it. So it's nice to be able to get on board. <laughs> Thank you. I do believe you just made my day. (laughs) (laughs) But the, yeah, and so it is very interesting that given this situation and getting that reality check from Martha, you know, gives Washington the perspective to go, no, I need to stand by my comrade and I need to try to, I, I mean, unless this is some sort, I, I highly doubt there's any ulterior motives to backing his friend. No. I yeah. really don't think no. so. I think that's just kind of a I'm not going to be able to please everybody. Uh, maybe through logic and reason I can get them to see that my plan is the best plan to go with and that their like or dislike of me is irrelevant as long as that's the plan we go with. And as a person, I need to back my friend. Well, and what sucks is that we kind of have spoilers from history. <laughs> So we know that this doesn't end well. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. <laughs> no yeah. one need, no one in this country named their kid Benedict for like 300 years because of this. It's coming back. Is it? Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> Is it coming back? Yeah, because of Beetle Watts heebie-deebie. Who? Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh! <laughs> Benevolent Cucumber, that guy. Benedict Cumberben. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Got it. Sorry, I didn't. Is that coming back in this country? I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised. All right, it's somebody, back right now. somebody send Ooh. us like some given algorithm about uh, baby, baby name trends <laughs> and let us know. Is Benedict coming back? Someone put a, a poll on Twitter. Let us know. Is Benedict coming back? <laughs> Please no. Please no. <laughs> I want to know if we're bringing Benedict back. Uh. <laughs> um, uh. But. Uh, another, we touched on it a little bit earlier. Speaking of um, party goers, uh, Becky spends the first of all, she spends the entire party getting drunk. Oh, Becky, which and she's at a party. She's at a party, and she's this is not the kind of party awful. that you should be drunk at. 
Uh, yeah, she's party, like, party, you by the that. end of the night, she is literally lying on the stairs. <laughs> like, that's how messed up she is. Just because you can get drunk at a given party does not mean you should get drunk at a given party. This isn't a house party. This is a mixer for the freaking general commander of the United <laughs> States. You don't. You don't. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to go party with the president. Time to get wasted. Well, that's, depends what, that's what on, makes her Becky. Depends on which president, though. If you went to uh, Andrew Jackson's inaugural <laughs> party, that was, was uh, that was quite a party. Oh, no, that is the politely declined sort of invitation because Andrew Jackson. Apparently, it was a huge, huge bender. He's yes, <laughs> also a be. terrible human being. He was. I'm just saying yeah. that there are there is a precedent in history for making major, major ragers. So, just saying. But this is not one of those ragers. No, and you, she really should not be treating it like it is. Just like, mm, well, that's bad. it's not that she's getting drunk because she's having a grand old time. She's really not. The reason she's getting drunk and purposely avoiding Peggy at every chance she can until she can literally no longer stand and run away from her <laughs> is that she received a letter from dear old Freddy who delivers some unpleasant news about Philomena being with John Andre. And we don't even need to read the whole letter. We just need to hear Peggy going, who is Philomena? She's She's gonna let that... (laughs) She's gonna let that settled here for a minute and just and he's been such a, look at him just causing drama like yes. writing a letter up he took time out of his day and said, i'm gonna stir some stuff up uh, down in philadelphia i feel like now here's the thing though if your friend was totally into another guy and you happen to be in the same city of that guy they're having a long distance relationship you know oh, they're you, having you, a long distance gotta, relationship yeah, and he starts seeing another girl no 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 you let her know you gotta let him know yeah that's it's the equivalent of writing the email or calling him up and say hey do you have 10 minutes <laughs> yeah here's uh here's the thing now i saw this and i don't know if it means anything but without naming any names when i was in college uh two of my friends separately told me about this guy that they were totally into who was totally into them turned out to be the same guy i had to be the awkward one going hey guys uh funny story <laughs> were these college friends or friends from home friends from home okay yeah Pretty sure r kelly wrote a song about that <laughs> Art it was wrote songs about Same lots girl. of it's things. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, I think Freddie did the right thing. Yes. I don't think he was trying to... Maybe he was like, hmm, this will be oh, fun. Oh, he was eating it up. You know he was eating it up. He, he was a sassy little one. You saw him at the party. No, you look after your friends. You look after your friends. I mean, just because he's enjoying the drama doesn't mean he's not going to be like, hey... You need to know this. Yeah, I feel By like the if way. he wanted it to be a huge train wreck, he would have like, I'm going to wait <laughs> and then send this letter. See where this goes. But she got the letter, and I think that that's definitely what the most important aspect of is, is where's her loyalty going to be lying now. Exactly. Is this, because um, we talked about him hooking up with Philomena again and what that was going to mean for Peggy if she ever found out. And now she knows. So it's like, is she going to, like, really go full force in this relationship with Benedict Arnold as a way to spite him? Or is she going to try to make her way to him to get an ex- to get answers? Going full force for Benedict Arnold is like cutting off your nose to spite your face. <laughs> You're just, ma- that is an actual idiom. <laughs> You're just making it worse 
for everyone, but mostly yourself. And Iceberry in the chat says they looked it up and randomly it looks like Benedict peaked as a baby name in 1910 and has just gone down from then. <laughs> okay, cool, great. You don't really want to name your kids something that's mostly associated with a breakfast item. Mm. It's a delicious breakfast yeah. item. Though. Nonetheless. <laughs> Yep, that sounds Just really like, good. oh, your name's Benedict. <laughs> You're delicious. <laughs> Don't say that. That, sounds, that makes it sound weird. Uh, like it's not. <laughs> anyway, uh, there's one other aspect of this party that we should talk about. And that's, uh, speaking about actors who don't normally get to converge, is we do get to see Peggy meet Ben Talmadge, who probably in her mind is like, why couldn't I have been hired to, like, get this guy on our side because he's the head of intelligence. And he looks like he's a lot more even-tempered <laughs> than Benedict Arnold. Um, and with the way that she sort of sets him up with the whole, like, oh, Benedict really respects you, and how Ben kind of gets that thrown in his face, towards the end of the episode, you see uh, her dancing with Washington, and Ben, like, the music changes, and you can just see him looking over the scene and going something's not right about this person that Benedict Arnold is engaged to. Yeah. Well, and that's after we get the, you know, everyone's so, wow, engaged. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> everyone's so engaged with the details that they're missing the bigger picture. They're missing stuff that's right in front of them. Thank and he you, hears William. that yeah. and he kind of goes, aww. Like Trill Bill music starts to play. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, so it's like, is he going to be able to piece these two things together? And even if he does, we saw with Charles Lee that, like, we can't openly admit to having traitors. So once the whole Benedict Arnold thing is uncovered and comes unraveled, if it even, which I don't think it will before the season's out, I'm pretty sure that's going to be a little further down the line for this series, but even so, how do we go about dealing with that without, you know, without making, you know, again, it's all about that image. We can't appear weak and conflicted. How do we even go about dealing with this problem? They managed to skirt it with Charles Lee, but how are you going to do it for Benedict Arnold? You know, my question is, does he suspect Peggy or does he suspect Benedict? I think that he's probably I, Peggy. I, I think Peggy, and it's it's an interesting dynamic because you see George Washington. He's always been that figure that knows what's happening five steps ahead. And Ben's learned from him and realized, I don't know everything. This guy generally has a handle on stuff, and I'm still learning. And this was the first kind of juxtaposition where he, Ben is in the power position, noticing something that George hasn't. And so hopefully yeah, he not since uh, the end of season two when they had that whole um, assassination attempt yeah. uh, that they were able to. Um, intervene with. Uh, I will say, to Ben's credit, though, probably one of the reasons why he is able to sort of pick up on the fact that something is wrong here is because he knows how much women are capable of because he's friends with Anna Strong. Absolutely. You know, this is a friend who earlier in this very episode is like, I can do this, you know I can do this, and if you have any reservations, this guy gave you no choice but to trust me. Um, So, And not to mention they had that whole exchange uh, in... I don't know if it was last episode or, the, or like two weeks ago, um, between him and Anna, of like you know I can I can contribute more to this army. So he knows what she's capable of. That and was last he knows, episode. Yeah, I think so. And then like so he knows what women as a whole are capable of because he has such strong friends. 
And so, like, I think he's able to better put it together, whereas Washington, even though he has so much respect for his wife Martha, when we saw him meet with Anna Strong, there was this... I think he has an overall really great opinion of women and their role in the spying, but I don't... I think you're right. I think, like, he, when he's not overtly seeing something, he doesn't think it could be a threat to him. Yeah. So I think he sees Peggy just as a socialite. And he knew her when she was 14 as well. You know, they, they occupied the, the same time uh, that Benedict Arnold was there and met her and everything like that. So I don't think he thinks of this person who was a little girl the last time he was there as, like, potentially being a spy that could bring down their entire operation. And she's also engaged to one of his good friends. And, you know, at that point, you kind of extend a measure of trust. Like, this person trusts you with his everything. Therefore, you deserve some of my trust as well. Yeah, I agree. I I think that Ben has the unique ability where he gets to see the intricacies of the everyday with a spy ring, whereas George only gets his summary, you know, whether it be at the week's end or the month's end. He gets the report. So... Ben is in a unique position where he knows that Andre was stationed in that house because he had a spy in the home that was sending information to Anna. So he knows who, what, where, and why. And so now when you're seeing her kind of getting so chummy with George Washington and also with Benedict Arnold, for him, he's like, okay, well, she's had a lot of exposure to the enemy on such a grand level. And again, it's my direct counterpart. I feel like it's going to be a lot easier for him to connect those clues because for him it's more of a direct competition than it is trying to impress his superior. He's like, I gotta go, I gotta beat that guy. Like that's the guy I gotta I gotta outwit. <laughs> and so now he's finally had that connection where he's realizing I may be able to I may have been onto something, but otherwise yeah, he's never been ahead over Andre at any turn. He's always kinda yeah. chomping at the bit and slowly behind. This is the first time where he may have some insight to being one step ahead of Andre. Yeah, and again, looking at the key that can take down Andre's entire Himself, setup. Yeah. And uh before we move on, I just wanna get like Props to Ksenia on her performance in this final scene, too, because she gets the letter, and she's clearly heartbroken, but is still having to put on the veneer of, like, I'm at a party, (laughs) you know, with my fiancé, and everything is great, and she can't quite hold it together 100%. And you just see so much pain in this, you know, attempt to put on a smile, and just... It was just really, really well done. Yeah. It's my party, and I'll cry if I want to. <laughs> Except you, you would can. cry too if it happened to <laughs> you. Except you can't. You would cry too if it happened to you. So yeah, is, is there anything else you guys want to talk about before we move on to the other major stuff going on in this no, episode? No, let's truck on over. Just I like the parallelism of the rings falling apart. Yeah. Because we have a huge kink in it with Peggy finding out about Philomena. And then we have another huge kink in this with this flashback and with this, like, good job. Just yeah. good job, Kayla. Let's Way talk about this flashback because, uh, first of all, Turn doesn't do a whole lot of flashbacks. Mm. And again, I think when they do flashbacks in this way, I think it's really well done. Uh, as opposed to, like, kind of the cheesy flashback that we had a couple episodes ago. Um, I like it when they do something like this. What I was thrown off by was that we got treated to a piece of information that we weren't treated to during season two, which is a huge, which was a huge bit of character development and forward momentum on Townsend's part. We had absolutely no idea that Abe was the master manipulator (laughs) of that development and that forward momentum. And here's what I'm wondering. Was that the plan during season two, or did they just kind of go, hmm, when they like, were putting you know, together the season three storyline and going, hey, 
we can throw in a flashback, we can make this do this. Was it a plan? Was it in the plans, or was it just a huge cosmic retcon? The reason I think it had, I mean, at least a a small. Well, again, coming season two and into season three, when they did the flashback, they did it in a manner that they're supposed to, which is actually to repel the story, not simply to reiterate. Yeah. But what you notice is his beard was completely shaved in the flashback scene, so his beard wasn't shaved at all in season two. He had a full beard and wasn't shaved up until partially through. Up until he went to go and rescue Abe. Yeah. But he could. They could have filmed the flashback scene in season three at the very beginning. Yeah. Or at the very end of season two. Sure, yeah. Then, yeah, this is one of those things where we would honestly have to ask. Because yeah. uh, the, the writers are the only ones that would know. But they could have very easily had planned for this while writing season two. They're like, oh man, season three, this is going to blow their minds. <laughs> or it could have been something when talking about um, season three, which as uh, I believe you brought up last week, this is kind of like the season of consequences. Yeah. And they're like, well, what other consequences can we deal with for like past transgressions and they were like well there's a there's a gap here and we can take advantage of that in the in the form of Caleb uh being and Abe being responsible for burning down Townsend's farm and beating the guy up because what the heck Caleb he did he did say when he was pulling the guy off like you're not you weren't supposed supposed to touch him him. yeah like, like I don't know if they were. Hand. I don't know if they were trying to burn down the farm. I don't know if they were trying. I know they weren't trying to beat him up, but it just it got out of hand, and I feel like it was so much worse than what they'd initially. Like <laughs> that I feel escalated like it, quickly. I mean, that, that really, really got, got out of hand. hand. I feel like they yeah. were supposed to show up, be like, "Hey, we're the Queen's Rangers," and raid a little bit and steal some supplies, and then leave, and then it turned into just murdering everything. Like that's that's a yeah, problem. Yeah, I think you had to guys. kill all the animals. I mean, no. but again, I, I wasn't surprised at all. The second that they cut to the flashback and I saw a masked figure, I'm like, okay, that's either Abe or well, somebody else in the ring. Well, the second that you see them uh, being like, we're the Queen's Rangers and they're wearing masks, you're like, something's yeah. up. Because at this point in time, even a few months, you know, when they say a few months prior, you know, even at that point, Simcoe had taken the reins and they were on the hunt for Hewlett and the Queen's Rangers are decked out in yeah. uniforms yeah. now. They they are not the, we wear masks and like, like sneak up on you. Well, they'll sneak up on you in the dead of night, but they're not going <laughs> to wear if they're gonna wear masks they're not gonna announce themselves as the queen rangers they're just gonna kill you but unless you've encountered the queen's rangers how would you know that (laughs) it doesn't matter you'd be dead (laughs) i'm just saying but if they kill everyone where do the stories come from (laughs) the pirates of the caribbean (laughs) argument yep um but yeah no and this is again we it's not that you know the queen's rangers under simcoe's command are all that great either. I mean, we see them brutalizing people in this episode. Um, but it's it's an interesting dynamic, too, because we see them doing that, and the group of scoundrels that Caleb has rounded up, you know, ruined this guy, you know, ruined this guy's property and beat him. And then the next time we have Caleb, you know, with a this presumably same group of roundup individuals, they are harassing the the family that they've taken hostage while they're waiting for the ambush for Simcoe. So I think Caleb just needs new friends. Yeah. I think he <laughs> needs new mercenary buddies because these guys are just nothing but trouble. But again, it is a nice juxtaposition to compare them to the Queen's Rangers under Simcoe's command because they're not that different. 
Um, we have Iceberry in the chat who is doing all our research for us tonight. Thank you. You rock. <laughs> Saying they're 75% certain it's a retcon because it was different from what Samuel tells Abe in season two. The Rangers demanded to use the Townsend's horses, <coughs> and when he asked for payment, they burned down his stable. Okay. Like, uh, they continue to say, I like the development, but it's worth noting that they established it differently. Okay. Yeah, no. I I would totally buy that. I would have to yeah. go back and rewatch that episode to double check. But that sounds right. Yeah. That really does. And great reasoning to use a flashback is to splice in some information that you otherwise didn't let the audience know. Exactly. Or you get to alter. Yeah, again, to, yeah. to make those minor alterations. And you can't blame them. It's really hard to think about an entire season when you're planning stuff out, let alone what you're going to be doing several seasons down the line. And even if you do plans change so yeah. i i don't blame them for no, that minor canonical change yeah yeah i think this is something that's interesting and still makes sense um but yeah let's uh let's talk about uh abe because for i thought abe and simcoe on the trek together i thought that was gonna last for a little bit longer yeah, yeah i thought brief. they were gonna wind up showing up at the house together or something but it was like oh no you can leave we're gonna go do our own like, thing bye oh. Wow, that worked out really well for Abe. <laughs> that yeah, could have been, like, that could have been terrible. Right. Yeah, they, you're like, what, for real? Oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Simcoe. <laughs> but again, uh, he's way lower on Simcoe's list of priorities, and he doesn't necessarily have a reason to suspect him right now because Rogers is the the main suspect in terms of being Culper. So uh, Abe, instead of going home to Satake, runs over to warn Samuel about the incoming Queen's Rangers, a.k.a. the incoming Robert Rogers. <laughs> and um, at the same time, and again, this is what we're talking about with a convergence of characters, because literally a bunch of different characters show up out of the blue, uh, <laughs> apropos of everything that's going on. <laughs> and so we have Abe, Anna, Caleb, <laughs> Robert Rogers, and then tailing them is the Queen's Rangers, but they're all meeting while uh, Robert Townsend is on his way. <laughs> uh, so what we have here is the setup for the absolute worst Thanksgiving ever. Uh, and we also get this moment between Abe and Anna, because it's the first time they've seen each other since she peaced out. Yeah. Um, and she's come basically bearing the news of yeah, you're done. <laughs> we don't, I mean, nothing personal. Super casual, too. I like but, that. like, <laughs> we don't really need you in the ring anymore. You're too slow, so, It's like, yeah. this is great, but you're going to be talking to me? Because you can't talk I'm to the guy who pretended now. to be the Queen's Ranger? Like, that's awkward. I'm doing your job now. And I, I absolutely, probably my favorite moment in this entire exchange is when uh, Samuel is like, oh, first the other guy and now you? Yeah. And she's like, what other guy? <laughs> yeah, who's the other guy? Who's sending around? She's like, great, great, perfect. It, it is interesting to see that I feel like throughout the series, whenever Anna comes up, you know, Abe goes down and vice versa. It's almost like they're circling one another and they both can't be up at the same time. Where she's out of the ring and he's like, okay, well, things are now going good for me. You're gone. It kind of fixes my problems of the moment. And then she's like, well, I want to be back in the ring now. And when she gets back in, you're like, well, Abe, sorry, you're out. Abe's out. And now, and now you're back in and it's Abe's own doing. Which, so it's it's constantly his own doing. And he's like, is this because I ruined then... your wedding? She's like, no, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> Although we should probably talk about that at some point. <laughs> like, well, partially, but no. I, I just really I enjoy how connected the two characters are, even when they're not in the same. I mean, they're not be operating in the same city anymore, but still, they are wholly connected. Yeah, and I I'm very interested that 
Abe does really take this as an affront to, like, his stance because for so much of this series, he was so reluctant in his duties of being a spy. And when she tells him you're out and he's like, I can't be out. I'm Washington's man. Yeah. Like, it was, it was, like, he really did have to probably internalize it as a point of pride in order to kind of shoulder the burden of all this risk that he's undertaking. Uh, so to be told, no, we don't need you anymore, that probably does really hurt. Like, in one way, I was like, oh, I wonder if he'll be relieved because that means he doesn't have to do this anymore. He doesn't have to keep lying. He doesn't have to keep putting him and his family in harm's way. His but relationship really with terrible. his wife is, well, it's a little better now, but for a good long while it was tanked. His relationship with his dad is tanked. His relationship with most of his friends are tanked. Like, even if he's out of the ring now, that doesn't free him from the consequences of being Having in, been the ring. in the ring. But yeah. I think for him it's not... I don't think it's, unlike the ring itself has really ever been about being Washington's man. I think it's about, it's made him find who he is. And it's given, he, up to this point, he's been living by somebody else's rules, whether it be his father's or his brother's when he passed away to marry his wife. He's never really had a decision or a grasp on his own life. And this is the first area where he not only has been in charge of his life, but he's been excelling at it to some regard. And so for him to lose this ring... Yeah. He's losing who he is. He's finding that one thing that he's like, I'm good at this. I'm doing this. I have a purpose. This is what I'm here for. And when you take that from him, then what? what is he? How is he supposed to fight? Yeah. He's been doing something that makes a difference. Yeah. yeah. And after, you know, basically feeling responsible for his brother's death, feeling responsible for Baker's death, you know, having that sense of accomplishment taken away from you, that is that is kind of devastating. Congratulations, all you did was for nothing, but bye. <laughs> Thanks for all your help. See you later. But, Except not. But yeah, so we we then have this scene of, again, uh, Robert Rogers coming into the house and taking Anna hostage. Again, it's just the most awkward Thanksgiving. And, uh, the Ro- feeding of the turkey moment was <laughs> just like... That was awkward. Uh, but Rose on Twitter was, typical Thanksgiving then, folks. Unexpected guests, death threats, guns, knives, turkey, deceit, and humor. <laughs> Hashtag ABTV turn. <laughs> British. Wink. Winky emoji. <laughs> so Where do you have Thanksgiving? <laughs> I... I Maybe they're from the UK. They don't celebrate Thanksgiving. It is a wholly American thing to do. Well, yes. Yes. Uh, I guess, no, they, they have it in Canada, too. Different month, though. Yeah, it's in October. Well, I, I said last week that they probably wouldn't have another Thanksgiving. I think that that's a, that was a solid yeah. prediction last week. Yeah. And I think that it, we also got to see, uh, you know, there's a strong relationship for Townsend between what war and what he's actually fighting for and his religion. Whereas yeah. his father is devout, he is now, you can see that he's wavering, and the first bit of that wavering, I think, came when he actually decided to help at all in the first place. That's when he really decided, okay, well, you know, I'm helping. This is definitely against my religion, because although I am just listening, watching, and writing, it's still, I'm taking a fight. You know, so I think for him, he's battling in a way, and now he has to make a decision whether he's going to be a Quaker and get out of the, the battle entirely, or whether he's actually going to step up and be like, regardless of them burning my father's barn down. Yeah. It's for it was for a good cause. I couldn't, you know, get off the pot. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the difference between practicing your faith in name and in deed. And uh, we we see that in the flashback when he hands his father the gun. He's like you need to be able to protect yourself. And his father's like we 
can't do that. That is very much against our religion. And his attitude is, you know, in terms of if he gets attacked again, he has to turn the other cheek. Uh, that is what he's been brought up to believe and that the best way for them to combat you know, people who want to hurt them and people who want to take away their liberties is by participating in the spy ring. And uh, I thought it was excellent payoff when Townsend pulled the gun on Robert Rogers. It was really great payoff because we we had that exchange earlier and we know the context of what it means for him to be carrying a gun on his person and then to have Caleb try to fire it and, and it's, it's not loaded. It's, it's not loaded. <laughs> that was beautiful. It was so perfect. And the best part of that shot was you just get the parting shot of Roberts just laughing to himself as he rides off <laughs> into the dark. <laughs> you, just, you, hear, you hear Caleb yell, and then Rogers is just like, ha, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got to be a little embarrassed, too. He's like, oh, I got duped. I got duped by the cracker. I got duped, but that's so great. Y'all are cards. And and again, you get the you get the impression that for Rogers, this is just another day at the yeah. office. Um, and that the only real like negative takeaway for him is like, Abe, I liked you. Not cool, dude. Yeah. Not cool. Like, next time, you watch out. Uh, and and also when we have the Queen's Rangers converge on the house, we also have Simcoe, t- like he finds Abraham's gun, which don't initial your guns. It, <laughs> just don't. Just don't. It's the serial it. number of the olden days. There weren't that many people, kind so of, they didn't yeah. need to have serial numbers. They could just write your initials on there. And there's like five people if in I this town. We can my, out this is. is how you know that you're from a small town. If I lose my gun, I want, I've got my initials <laughs> That's on Bill's them. That's so. Bill's gun. For sure, it's Bill's gun. I know Bill's gun. <laughs> but what I love about it is that the story mostly holds up for one. Rogers goes away with the wrong name. And I honestly don't know if he was given the wrong name on purpose or if that's the name they that's, have. That's a good question, too, uh, because Townsend's been, you know, listening to Andre's woes, and it's like, well, does he know about Peggy, or is it just Philomena that he knows about? And if he does know about Peggy, did he give Peggy's or did he give Philomena's name intentionally as a way to keep the worst of the information, you know, the most important part of the information out of Roger's was hands? Was he in the I coffee f- shop? Sorry. No, I feel like he doesn't know about Peggy. I feel like that's something... Like it's just Philomena that's causing yeah. Andre's woes. I feel like that's something that Andre would not bring up. Wouldn't that divulge. is a huge secret, especially since she's now engaged to Benedict Arnold. Like, you don't want that info floating around. It's not something you tell your drats, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and Philomena but, was in the coffee shop. Yeah. Really. yeah. I mean, so he yeah. actually vis- he saw her with his own two yeah, eyes and knows there. there was yeah. a rapport between the two of them. I don't think it... And, well, and, and definitely Andre was getting drunk to, like, go and, and sleep with her. So, yeah. like, Townsend knows. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's fair to say he probably doesn't know about Peggy. Yeah. Probably. But, but I love that the story at the end kind of held up. Like, yeah, someone called Culper was in here, and he gave us this, and he left. He, but he didn't go name... by the name Culper. He went by the name Robert Rogers. And then that works with, you know, Robert Rogers attacked us. He stole our weapons. He left. Yeah, exactly. So it makes sense for Abraham's gun to be left there because, oh, Robert Rogers left it there. Not the worst spy on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a bad spy. He's terrible. Uh, but where? So they're going back to. He's now on his way back to Satakit. Yeah. Yes. So again, even though the story holds up, you know, again, it's one of those things where Simcoe's pretty smart. So even though the story holds up, I'm I'm still wondering like what is prompting him to go back to Satakit? Does he think that because 
you know, in Townsend's story, it was described as a gift, that that means Abe is BSing him. Uh, like, I, I, or does he just like, oh, you know what? I've been away from Satakit for too long. Um, there's another way to get Rogers or to get, or again, if Abe is involved, to get Abe. And another thing that we didn't really necessarily talk about when Simcoe rode back into town, does he know Anna left? Does he know that she peaced out? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think that's come up yet. he could ride back into Satake next week and go, well, I'm here at Strong Tap. What do you mean she left? Seriously? Say what? Seriously. (laughs) She she was gonna get Hewlett, married to who? Hewlett and she made her do what? Yeah, that's oh, what we got left Oh snap! Because <laughs> he already didn't like Hewlett, and he we saw what happened when he thought Abe had like forced her into making out and hooking up. So like, yeah, that's gonna be bad for Hewlett at some point. Wasn't Simcoe's... Hasn't Hewlett left? Yeah, yeah, no, he, yeah, yeah he's, he's down he's too. Out. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't Simcoe's line, though, when they asked him, like, what we're doing, should we pursue? He goes, the last guy that did it, he got, you know, hatched it in the face, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And the last one that creeped up on him, so we're going to go to Satakit, which makes leads me to believe that he believes Roger, Robert Roberts is going back to Satakit. That he'll go back to... Because Abe is an accomplice. I feel like finding Abe's pistol there, him leaving it there to protect ourselves, means that he had some relation with Abe, and it wasn't just to steal... To ro- I don't. I just. I don't think that he. He's gonna buy. He's like buy. the story is an ad. Yeah, I feel like well, he's looking at it. And he's like, okay, like why is that's here? The thing is that a gun being a gift for a Quaker is facetious because Quakers go unarmed. Everyone yeah. knows that. They've mentioned it. Simcoe mentioned it more than once. Quakers don't carry guns. So you show up to someone, you be a jerk, you mess up their turkey, mm-hmm. you essentially take their stuff, and you're like, oh, here's a gift for you, and it's something that they wouldn't touch with a nine foot pole because of their religion, like. That's, a, That's a cruel joke. That's not an actual gift. So that could definitely And so be, that yeah. works with the story of he showed up, he was a giant jerk, and then he left. He yeah, ate our turkey, yeah, and then luck. he left. Yeah, that's a good luck. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, yeah, um, before, uh, is there anything else we want to talk about in this uh, this episode before we move on to some news and gossip? No. Hmm. I like news and gossip. I like news and gossip, too. After Buzz TV News. All right. Uh, we don't have a ton of details on this, and this is just rumors going around right now. But there uh, there was a rumor trending on Facebook over the weekend that Jamie Bell is in talks to become the next James Bond, <laughs> which Jamie Bell is a fantastic actor. You don't need to look any further than this show to see proof of that. But Abe is the worst spy ever. <laughs> I am still in the Idris Elba for James Bond camp. Like, I live in that camp. I've set up shop. There's a flag. That would be, that would be great. That would, that would be tremendous. That would be fantastic. Um, I, again, I think Jamie Bell could pull it off. But the thing about it is, it's like I crack up every time I think about it because we make so many jokes about Abe being the worst spy yeah. ever. You know and I'm like, they're recruiting the worst be. spy ever to be James Bond? Do <laughs> you know what this Bond movie would be? It would be Bond just kind of doing things and all of the women around him being complete badasses. Money Penny just I would it watch up. that movie. <laughs> I'm looking right at this picture. I'm just trying to I'm trying, trying to picture you're trying to, the you're tuxedo. Trying to see it. Yeah, I'm trying to see if we've got a tuxedo da-da, on. Da-da. Yeah. Da-da-da. No. No, only if it's all of the women in Bond's life being completely amazing at his job. He's a great actor though, so yeah, I think, yeah, I've yeah. seen him in a lot of oh, yeah. he's got some great range. So although it would just be it's just a different, you know, century spy. 
So he's learned well, a lot and by, I think by the, that time. I think, again, <laughs> what is it, time war? Yeah. How great would it be to have, like, a period time, uh, like, a period, a period piece spy. for a Bond movie? <laughs> we for, call like, that Assassin's Creed. <laughs> yeah, I know. How great would that be? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Jamie Bell's a great actor. I I think I'm a little bit biased because I like the Daniel Craig Bonds more. And I know that that's kind of sacrilege to the Bond purist. But I like, you know, I like Daniel Craig as Bond. So if they're going to change it up, I would want somebody like Idris Elba to take up the mantle to be yes. the next Bond. So I, I am firmly in that camp as well. Um, okay, let's go ahead and move on into predictions very quickly. Your After Buzz TV predictions. No light show this time around. Dang. Uh, it looks like, going back to Satakit, Abe's going to try to get out of Dodge, Simcoe's going to beat him to the punch, and it's going to be, if not an all-out fray, uh, tensions are going to be high to say the least. <laughs> I just can't wait to see what Mary will do. <laughs> oh yeah, we haven't seen Mary in a bit. I'm looking for. I'm looking towards a um, a Robert Rogers nice little surprise visit towards the end of the episode with uh, Mr. Andre, well, or yeah. perhaps Philomena. It yeah. looks oh, like yeah, yeah Philomena's going to be back in uh, next week's episode, and I worry about her. <laughs> Philomena <laughs> is going to be looking a heck of a lot like Peggy by this point in time. Yeah, so. we we saw the hair. Yeah, yeah. definitely. It's a good update. Looking so looking a lot like the the Peggy do. <laughs> there's talk in the chat that Rogers has seen Peggy, and when he sees Philomena looking like her he might make the connection yep yep so we shall see well we shall. guys this again fantastic episode uh thank you guys to everybody in the hashtag everybody in the live chat for uh sitting down and watching with us uh chatting with us it's been so much fun keith where can people go if they want to keep up with you if you want to keep up with me you can find me all over the internet at keith w black I'm Katie Cullen. You can find me on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at Kiaxet. That's K-I-A-X-E-T. Red vs. Blue is tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Pacific. A Steven Universe is Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific. And guys, we have a Ranger Danger t-shirt that you can get. Yes, we do! <laughs> uh, search, search for Kiaxet, K-I-A-X-E-T, on TeePublic, T-E-E-P-U-B-L-I-C.com, and you will be able to find it and get it there. Yes, it's fantastic. And I'm Megan. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Mangua. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I'm also on a bunch of shows here at AfterBuzz. I know I write articles for the movie Chick. That's Chick with two Ks. Be sure to check those out. Again, if you haven't already done so, please go to iTunes, rate, subscribe. We love hearing from you guys. And if you tune in next week, we may, in fact, have a little special guest for you all. So be sure not to miss that. Thank you all so, so much again. We will see you all next time. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, see you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 